0: So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello, and welcome to the Fire in the Belly show. Today, we'll have myself, Mighty Pete, and we're joined by the Dr. Ian Brooks. Good afternoon. Good morning to you, sir. Yeah, good afternoon to you, Pete. Listen, great to have you on the show. So just to give everyone a bit of a background, so um, Ian is the CEO and founder of Smith Consulting, a personal and perf- professional development firm specializing in behavioral transformation, and the author of Intention, Building Capabilities to Transform Your Story. For over 24 years, he's had uh, a career taking him from working in a clinical ward to organizations and with people with the goal of helping individuals build skills towards achieving new heights. Wow. I love that. That's a, how's that for an introduction? Are you happy with that? Are you where you're supposed to be?
1: Yeah, that's exactly where I'm supposed to be and uh it's what I've been passionate about since I was 13 years old and fortunate enough to uh continue it some 30 uh
0: 35 years later plus 39 years later. So it's it's been fun. Wow, okay. Tell so us first of all, what what's fire in the belly to you and what does that mean? Yeah, you know, for, for me it's fire in the belly it's really what's that passion?
1: You know, what, what's that thing that makes us smile gets us internally motivated. And that thing that drives our want and our choice. And I know that's a lot, a lot of words, uh, both want, choice, purpose, and also included that as in passion. Um, we all have a fire in our belly. Um, we all have that passion of what we're striving for. It's what I find with most people is how close are we to acknowledging our authentic selves on what is that fire? What is that motivation? And sometimes we're caught up in the, in the grasp of other people's expectations of their fires and not our own. So when I really think about that fire in our belly, it's a very individualistic, that doesn't mean it does not impact other people or it doesn't coincide and coalesce with others, but it is something within ourselves. It's authentic. It's our passion and it's what, Get us motivated internally to move forward.
0: Wow, is it something you have? Have you always had it? Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I've always had a fire
1: in my belly. Um, at a very young age, you know, my my parents were of the mindset of, "Hey, let's get everything done in the morning." Um, that included homework, um, to chores, to everything else, and leave playtime aside. So that oftentimes that meant waking up at seven o'clock, six o'clock in the morning to get things done. And that way we had the entire day to just play. And so in that mindset, even as a child, and and that's actually carried forward through to my adulthood really has fostered a foundation of really what's my true passion. You know, what makes, what wakes me up in the morning? What is it that I'm really purposeful about as a child, it was chores and homework as I progress through my life and through my career and through my personal experiences, it's been about what's truly been my intention. Um, I've truly driven myself towards what's my true purpose. Um, what do I find myself that I wake up and I smile about and I'm saying, yes, I'm, I'm gratified by doing what I'm doing. It doesn't mean it's always enjoyable. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's always successful. Uh, But what it does mean is saying I wouldn't trade for anything. And so in that respect, I've really coalesced and driven my career and life in that way. As, as an example, um, I've chosen my places I've gone to college, places I've lived, even the jobs I've taken with a very specific intent and purpose of the fire of what I was most passionate about knowing that once fire can change, because just like any fire, there's a lot of things that keep that fire burning. A job, places where I lived, even my schooling, those are just different logs in my fire that have created and consistently built my passion around psychology and helping people. So in that respect, taking that journey for myself from a learning and educational perspective so I can give back to others, while also having that fire in my belly where I'm growing myself. And so all of those logs have fostered the fire that continues to burn in me today.
0: Oh, wow. So tell me, I mean, you've, you've written this book, Intention, you know, building capabilities to transform your story. So first of all, define intention for me, if you would, because I know some may have heard and specifically, and some may not have. So let's start at the start.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. It's everyone says, "Oh, I'm working with intention, or I'm doing things with purpose." Uh, you know, it's it, it's it's intention for me is really taking a more purposeful and conscious awareness of what we're doing. Um, oftentimes, we're reacting or acting in a passive context in our day-to-day lives. Um, as I describe in my book, you know, in one of the early parts. You know, we make between 2,000 and 10,000 decisions each day. Of that, about 95% from the research says that we're about working unconsciously. That means 95% of the time we're just reacting. (laughs) When we're working with intention, we're really bringing a conscious level around what we are actually doing. And especially as we're going about changing something in our lives in a moment and transforming who we are in the long term. We have to be conscious about what we're doing, what we're thinking, and even what we're feeling. And in that context, it's bringing a certain level of awareness that we typically don't afford ourselves in our normal day-to-day lives. And to that extent, it's taking it one from one of passive change, a la "I'm just getting old," (laughs) and that just happens to us regardless of whether we want it or not, versus "I'm now taking a proactive." conscious step towards doing something different so i'm better tomorrow than i am today and that's my definition of intention
0: is is intention always positive i mean do you need to Um, need to check the charge of it so you know the you know the your intentions are clear and beneficial as opposed to potentially negative do you get negative intentions i don't know um it's when we get into positive and negative those are our end results Right?
1: Um, it's the end result of our intentions. So as an example, I'm in, intended to um, eat this pizza pizza because I'm hungry, as example, right? Now the end result of that is that I might gain weight. It might derail my intention of trying to lose weight. So in the context of the intention of the behavior of, say, "Hey, I want to do something that is purposeful, a la, I'm going to eat something," it may, may derail you. From the goal you're trying to actually attain. so, as a, a different example, I was talking to a, a colleague of mine recently, and she was focused on answering the question of what do I do now? Um, and she wanted to take on a new role, take on a new job, and get out of the corporate uh, treadmill, if you will. Um, she found herself working on a contract that was taking up more energy and more of her time than she could have ever imagined, even more so than, than her than her previous full-time job. Also, within that decision, she also had made that she wanted to buy a house. So as you think about trying to buy a house by right, obviously you need a down payment, you need to have good credit. You know, here obviously here in the States, and and that also requires money. So now that is a direct conflict of starting potentially going out on your own business. So intentionally, she wanted to buy a house, which is a fair intention. Now that's the purpose. She had a fair intention of one, making sure that she had the money to do so. Thus, she got a job or took a role that she was already good at. But yet that intention was in direct conflict with what her authentic self was and what she wanted, a la having her own business, having her own say managing her own hours, as well as making sure she's putting her energy where she wanted to place it versus where others were prescribing her to be. So to your very statement, our intentions in the moment can be pure. They can be authentic and they can be okay. But when we get into the ideology of success, failure, working against ourselves, that's when it comes to be an end result. Because sometimes we put our intentions in places, well, it wasn't our original priority. And so that's where we start to get in a little bit of trouble around this good or bad.
0: And then uh, if you want to test the validity of an intention, because I suppose it's making sure if we follow that Question, you know, are your voids your values? So potentially we want something because it's a void in our lives or it's something else. Hmm. You know, how do you, or is there a method or is there a technique that, you know, we can actually make sure that our intentions are valid and pure and, and you know, we are authentic in ourselves?
1: Yeah, no, it, it, there is. And one of the first things I do in my book, um, Intention, in the very first part is around discovery. And it's about acknowledging. What is it that we want to change? What is it that, What is our goal? What's our purpose? And it takes all of what you just described into consideration of what is our gap while also acknowledging it doesn't necessarily have to be a gap. It could say, I just want to be better. I just want to do more. I want to expand beyond where I am. So it doesn't necessarily have to start from a place of I want, I need, it could start from a place of let's do better. Let's Expand beyond where I am because I don't have to change in this case. So, with that said, I work. Uh, I ask the the readers and even my clients. Starting off with, let's discover what is your true priority. We say we want to ch- achieve something. We say we want to achieve that weight loss. We say we want to achieve that new job title. We say we want to be entrepreneurs. That's fair, but those are end results. What is our true priority? What's our value? Once we get that better understanding and asking ourselves those hard questions to ourselves, we then in my second part of the book is around the principle of you. And in that context, I'm asking the readers and even my clients to really dig deep around who are they? It really expands beyond the word value and says, who am I as a person? Because we all have characters in our lives. As I mentioned in the Fire in Our Belly and using that analogy, we we have different logs in our lives. Um, In one log, I could be uh, you know, Mr. Know It All, because I've got degrees for just about everything, right? And I need that point of validation um, just for myself to seem like I'm smart enough. Um, I could be the Abominable Snowman, right? It's the old Bugs Bunny uh, uh, cartoon where the Abominable Snowman just wanted Bugs Bunny so much because he was by himself in the snow and just was squeezing the life out of Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck in that old cartoon um, because he loved them so much and he didn't want, want them to leave yet he was actually killing them. So he was actually putting so much love and effort into it, but yet he was drowning the thing that he wanted in that respect. That could be our character. Our characters are not, I'm a brother, I'm a sibling, I'm a significant other, I'm a father, um, I'm a VP. Those are titles bestowed upon us based on societal hierarchy and things that we don't necessarily have control over. Our characters are who we show up as every day. And our characters show up in different times in our lives, given our circumstances. Also within the principle of view and who our values are, I actually ask our my clients as well as my readers to think about their environment. And when I say environment, I'm asking them their people, places, and things in their life that keep them where they are. So as we think about our environment, it, it's a, a form of safety of our friends and our routines and the clothes we buy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that say, yes, it's a point of validation but yet that influences our principle of view. So now when we combine the principle of who I am and that value and aligning that to my priority of what is it that I'm really trying to achieve? And I can't achieve everything, right? If I'm looking to change something, I can't change everything all at once because we didn't get here all at once. We have to take things one at a time. So what's the priority right now? And where am I going to put the conscious effort? Both mind, body, and soul in our thinking to do something different, and that's where we start to create that alignment of being authentic to ourselves and allowing ourselves to what we perceive as potential
0: gaps or where we're hoping to expand in certain areas in our lives. Uh, and as per your the title, I suppose of your book, I mean, you talk about it being transforming, mm-hmm. you know, and transformational. Just describe that process for us. Why is it transformational? And just, well, I suppose break down what a transformation means for people.
1: Yeah. You, you know, it's, 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 um, it's, it's very interesting. And you'll even note it, uh, even on my, on my book cover where I have uh, a butterfly and that butterfly is a consistent theme throughout the book. And in why I think about transformations through the lens of butterflies and even who we are ourselves, um, for an example, from a butterfly standpoint, obviously we start off as, as caterpillars and we're just moving around in a life, going around from leaf to leaf, just nibbling along. Then what happens? We decide to find that one leaf and branch that we are ready to now do something different. So we then become a chrysalis and we just hang there and then till we are ripe. And now we then expand ourselves into something else, into that butterfly, never to go back to a caterpillar again. We now have wings to now uh, fly to go to different parts of the world. We too, as human beings, one of our greatest uh, capabilities in my perspective is to evolve because we do it irrespective of whether we believe we do or not, whether we're conscious about it or unconscious. So because of that transformation, as as I describe it, is one of a conscious effort when we're actually taking specific action on. Now, I I do also want to point out that transformation is a lot different than change. Um, we oftentimes use the words uh, similarly, but, but there is, a, in my perspective, a huge distinction between the two. Changes in and of themselves are nothing more than individual actions. They are a formation of particular moments in time where we're actually exercising our choice, changing our clothes, changing the lanes in which we drive, changing the restaurants we go to, each one offers an opportunity of an individual action that now changes tend to be event driven. When we talk about transformation, we're actually uh, talking more speci- specifically, excuse me, about a new way of being, a new life. We're adapting to doing something drastically different. A transformation is I am no longer single. I am now married. I am no, uh, no longer just married to a partner. I now have three kids. Those are transformations. <laughs> we will never go back to who we once were. That does not mean that we are what we once were was not authentic. It does not mean that it was not good. No different than it means that the caterpillar is less than the butterfly. It does mean that we will never transform to going back to what we once were. Transformations are a collection of changes that occur over the course of time. So it requires consistency. It requires something that is more prevalent and more conscious, and it often is defined by a new way of living, specifically for people, of doing something differently tomorrow on a consistent basis of which a past and a history of which we'll never return to.
0: What's what's the catalyst? What do you find is the the most successful catalyst to change and to transformation?
1: The biggest catalyst is finding that true purpose. That intrinsic motivation. Um, Oftentimes, you know, people will describe change and transformation in the context of something external, (laughs) Um, something that that offers that external motivation that says, "Hey, I now have a child. Now I have to change." Well, technically speaking, you don't. That's why you have bad parents, right? (laughs) Uh, Or parents that aren't really there and a parent and showing up, which happens unfortunately often. In our lives. Because of that, it has to come down to an internal purpose and alignment with who you are. Because at that point, that's going to drive the motivation. At that point, it will drive the passion. It will also push you through times when there are the valleys, when things aren't going so well. You're still going to push through. You'll also push through at at those peaks and find greater enjoyment around what you're doing. Also in in that biggest catalyst for change or transformation, you'll actually consistently do those behaviors because you want to, because it's about choice, because it's something that you now have put a priority or a premium to, because it's important. It's not something that we're just allowing to happen to us. We are now taking that control. And that's a, a huge word for us. We throw it around a lot, and that word being control. We oftentimes think we're in control of things. Um, Say, oh, I'm in control. Well, are you really? Are we just, or are we just flapping the wind? Just going wherever the wind is blowing us just because it's comfortable and it's just blowing us in the same direction. When we are truly living to our authentic selves and when we are now living with intention and with a purpose, we're now really exercising a level of control and choice that drives us through spawning that fire in us, and that and that fire in that belly, because at that point, it offers us an opportunity to do something different. Now, I, I will say that a change can be, or a fire can be sparked by being forced to do something like, hey, I'm getting a divorce, or I'm just getting laid off from my job, or I don't like my job, so I want to do something else, or I want to become a parent, or the doctor says I have cancer, or I have high diabetes. That may spark a choice. But let's be clear: that spark or that choice and that fire can only be sustained through the consistency of my own choices. Say I'm gonna do this because I want to do it relative to an agnostic of an end result that's gonna net because
0: of something or someone else. So what's what's your passion, your purpose? And is that linked to your superpower per se?
1: Yeah. My, my passion and and purpose is linked to my superpower and my superpower specifically is, um, having a voice, a voice of purpose, a voice of change and transformation. Now with that voice, it includes being able to actively listen and help people down a journey and path through their own transformation. My superpower, I've I realized at an early age um, when I made a decision at, as a 13-year-old that I wanted to be a psychologist because I always was curious about, about why people did what they did, um, what influenced them. It also fed my own personal expectations that I was af- afraid of judgment. I didn't want to be at the forefront of anything. Uh, I didn't want to be too high because that gave me an expectation of stuff that of consistency. I just didn't want, <laughs> because if you fell below that, then got in trouble for, it. I didn't want to be too far below that, that on that spectrum where, where I was below the, the Mendoza line, if you will, because that gave me a different level of, of exposure and being in trouble that I didn't want either. So I found that I just wanted to be in the middle, but yet that superpower wasn't about being in the middle. It was about really caring for what and how people are navigating life because I do truly believe that we all can be better myself included. And in that respect, taking moments to be an active listener and using my voice of both knowledge that I've gained through my educational experiences, as well as the experience I've had working with organizations and people to author in new opportunities and awareness for people in a way that makes transformations attainable, authentic, sometimes scary, vulnerable, but at the end, well worth it. And so my superpower of having a voice, sharing it, as well as listening um, has offered me an opportunity to help my clients, but also propel me individually in how my author and my relationships and my business.
0: Uh, and where where would be your state of flow? I mean, where are you most comfortable? Where are you sort of do you find that you, your your inner genius comes out to play? What where where is that?
1: You know, my my inner genius uh, tends to come out in two two places. The first is in these conversations we're having now, Pete, um, and just having the dialogue. It offers it an opportunity of question and answer a natural conversation going back and forth where we're actually uh, exposing ourselves in ways that lead a conversation from one point to another. The second place I get my, my inner genius is through reflection. Um, I take time out each day to just step back and reflect upon what did I learn today? What I learned about myself. What I learned about my clients that inner genius allows me that, that it, it, in that moment in time to quiet, the noise that surrounds me. It allows me to, uh, aggregate the learnings that I've taken about myself, potentially even books, even books I've read. What did I take away from that? The, the experiences I have with my clients or help, even just my experiences I have with my significant others and the people who are in my life this conversation will be also a point of reflection for me of what did I do well? What did that, what did I learn? What narrative came out? And from our conversation from that point of reflection and just quieting the noise and even acknowledging uh, the feelings that I'm going through, right? That I don't want there to be any, any uh, lost impression. That is just a mental exercise. There's an emotional exercise that comes along with, with this as well of where was I anxious? Where was I fearful? Where was I most happy and taking some stock in that and from that, I empower myself to say what's working for me and how do I align that going back to that fire in my belly? Where's that alignment to where's my passion? And when I can do that and be authentic, knowing that there's going to be wins and losses, but again, those are end results that of which I, that author in, or and quite frankly, don't define who I am. There are opportunities to build my capabilities to be more consistent around the things that align to my purpose, that align to my superpower, and so because of those two things, again, having conversation and the interactions, secondly, that time of point of reflection of both thought and emotion, really afford me a chance to really spark and continue to drive that inner fire within me, each day. Let's
0: let's it's a beautiful way of looking at it, I suppose. And, but it is, it's very clear in your intentions. So when you are clear, then, you know, clarity will come, purpose will come right. Because it's, mm-hmm. they go hand in hand, you know, many, yeah. many people do have intentions, but they're not clear about it or they're, they're not, they haven't purposely defined it.
1: Yeah. And it's, and you know, it's, um, you know, it taken me a while to get there. Now, mind you, as, you know, as a 13 year old, I knew I wanted to be a psychologist and, and heck, drove my life in that way. I had that clarity. Um, but there's two things I'll say about that um, because a lot of people don't necessarily have that clarity. Um, the first is you're, you're, you can build a plan, but your path is your path. And oftentimes, our path authors in that clarity was nothing more to get back to Kansas. So, of getting back to Kansas was just to get back to now the witch uh, in, in the movie told her she'd follow the Yellow Brick Road. That was her plan, right? To follow the Yellow Brick Road, milestone, go to Oz, and that will take you back to your ultimate goal of getting to Kansas. Well, let's be clear: she thought was her path, and her place of meeting the Scarecrow, meeting Tin Man, meeting the Cowardly Lion, and then having to fight the Wicked Witch. Of which, bring up that ex-movie because sometimes we don't know what we want to do. We just want that new job, that new title, more money, a better relationship. We want to lose that weight. We want to see what, oh, I want, I want to do what Pete's doing. I, I, want to see, I want to see all the things that Pete's done. Right? I want that. What we want by what others have done or what others have prescribed to us. And sometimes the clarity of which we need is being able to step back and say, I don't know what I want. And in that moment, when I talk to my client, others have um, questioned or don't know what they want, because they want everything. I say, first, grab your options. Grab the possibilities. Grab what you might want to do. And, and I know the word might is in there, right? Because uh, people are like, oh, I need clarity. Might does not necessarily equal clarity. <laughs> right? uh, know what you want to want and create that clarity until you start playing, until you start experimenting. No different than Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. She had a plan because she wanted something. She wanted to get back to Kansas. <laughs> she didn't know what she was going to be faced with. So guess what? She just followed the directions and dealt with whatever came and that created clarity. It created purpose. It created her opportunity to get back to Kansas. Well, also now putting it in outside of a movie, into our have to sometimes start with what might I want to do? And now let's start playing and experiencing. What am I most passionate about? What gives me the butterflies <laughs> Right on the book again? Because again, no different than this. Oh, on, on, on online intention, that's intentional because it creates that turn. It creates vulnerability in our stomach. It creates that anxiety. It creates those, Oh shit moments. Like, hey, am I doing this right? Or are people are going to judge me, but guess what? This is where your transformation and clarity comes into play. You look up and say, you know what? I'm better off for it. And so, um, that's a long winded way of answering your question or statement that a lot of people don't have that clarity. Some people are closer to it than others, but when you don't have it, it's understand where you might want to go and where you might have interest and grab hold of it and then start playing
0: and experimenting. I mean, what I'm really getting there is, you know, get started is key, but almost be intentional, intentional about your intentions, even if you're not clear what the end goal is. So, set out a clear and defined purpose, uh-huh. act in that nature. And then the, the answer may come if, if and when, and, and that's fine too, right?
1: Abs- absolutely. And, and in that respect, and, it, and, I, and I think it's a, a, a good point to underscore and even expand on, and that is just get started and grab hold of the possibilities. But one thing that's important within, within that grabbing hold of the possibilities, and no different than Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz, you have to be able to trust yourself that I can do this. I can make it. (laughs) I can figure this out. Um, It's also recognizing. So number one, the trust in yourself and having confidence that you can do it. And secondly, recognizing that you're not defining your experience based off of success or failure in those moments, you're consistently learning. You're consistently growing It's also the reason why I use the word capabilities because capabilities are transferable to any situation. (laughs) We're building behaviors. We're building a thought process. We're building our emotions to handle just about anything. Trust yourself to navigate that unknown path because in that you're gonna build capabilities within yourself, but also to your very statement and acknowledgement Build clarity around what you're truly passionate about, what truly is lighting your fire, and what those logs are, so that you can now make sure that in alignment with that purpose, more oftentimes than not.
0: A question for you: I mean, where do you sit in the in the realm of fate versus free will? You know, what?
1: I, I you know it's I, I, funny enough. I was having this conversation uh, not too long ago. Um. Sometimes there, I, there's, I kind of sit in the middle, ironically. Um, state of where we've been able to take our action from free and free will. So as an example, um, I have free will to swing my arms right here, right? That's, that's free will. <laughs> Nothing's stopping me from doing that. Free will is about. What can I do on my own that isn't necessarily impacting anybody, but this is my free will to do what I want when I want. And this is an example of that, right? You know, fate is oftentimes how have I positioned myself to create and harness opportunities or experiences that are presented to me in those moments and then saying yes to them. So sometimes we think about uh, fate, like, oh, it just happened to me. Well, sometimes that does happen. Like, oh, you know, the asteroid comes down and uh, hits you. Yes, that just happened to you. If, <laughs> if, if you get in a car accident, yes, that just happened to you, right? It's not like you free willed yourself <laughs> in a position accident. When I'm thinking about free will and fate, it's really around actions that are relative to Circumstances of how have I positioned myself to be an entrepreneur? How am I working with my clients to take and take and expand beyond their current comfort zones? Their free will is about choice. Their fate is about putting themselves in circumstances to test that free will. You know, if we think about it from a very negative context, we think about murder, and we think about you know, some of the other, you know, downtrodden things that happen in our societies, unfortunately, sometimes we're in in places where people prey upon our free will. So they take advantage of that. And in those circumstances, that is faith in a very negative way. So when someone is exercising their free will upon us, we have to also sometimes think back to, are they preying on us based on their comfort level? In some um, kidnapping, more of those downtrodden pieces versus something that is more positive. Hey, I see some possibility in Pete. I'm going to promote him. Or hey, I want this young woman is attractive. I want to start dating her. Let's have a conversation. Or better yet, I want to get to know her better. That those are different. You know, those are more positive free will fate circumstances versus some of the free will fate experiences that can also happen as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and how do you consider sort of external intentions? So, because I mean, that's a super interesting one there, because um, <clears throat> the intention of a marketer is to shift a product, right? So, but that that is yeah. done in a way that actually my life would be better if I bought this product. So, but there is an underlying intention here, which is not all clean cut. It's not all yes you know, I, I'm I'm just going to say up front, we're going to sell you something and I'm going to make it sound good for you. It's like almost to the point is kind of going, we're not selling you, but we're selling you. Right. So that's, that's almost a, a slightly, well, you tell me, is it a clear intention? Is it, is it an authentic attention? Intention? Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's clear and it's authentic
1: based on the individuals who are actually creating that marketing based off of, the uh, data scientists who are creating all the logarithms on our social media and all the clickbait that we get just to get us to do this for 10 minutes. And that immediately, we're going to show you other products that are exactly like that, if not the product or otherwise. That is their intention. And so they are authentic to their intention, no different than that person who's a murderer or serial killer is purposeful to their intention. Where it becomes a problem, or where it becomes a little bit more nuanced, and where we start to push back is when someone else's intentions in that context of that external, or or that or that person who's trying to rob us, or those logarithms who get us to click on just about everything, where it becomes a problem when it becomes intrusive to our intentions right? When they're prey upon our vulnerabilities of wanting something or being in a place where we're trusting, that's when it becomes a little bit more, and I'll say nuanced in a polite way, but also becomes invasive. But that does not mean that those other people aren't intentional because quite frankly, they are. From a marketing standpoint, I want you to buy something because you looked at it or conversely, I want you to buy something because you didn't even realize that you needed this because you hit my demographic and I got you to click on it. It's That's very intense, intentional and purposeful. It's now understanding where your intention plays. One, is it playing upon myself and I'm and controlling what I'm doing in my behavior, recognizing that my intentions do have an impact on other people. That's irrevocable, <laughs> right? Uh, the moment I change my intentions and my behavior, guess what? My environment is changing around me. So my friends are changing around me. Oh, I want to lose weight. I'm eating healthier now. So I can't go out here and drink and eat the same way as I, I used to. Well, guess what? We've always gone out and grabbed happy hour and ate this way and drank this way. So now I'm asking you to change with me or I just got married or got kids. So now our relationship changed because I'm not there with you. So now I'm changing the way that you're experiencing me As an example, no different than the marketing folks. of now I'm changing the way you're experiencing a particular application or selling and buying, cause now I'm putting it upon you. Now it's up to you to now figure out what's your intention and what's your authenticity, how well am I going to stand back and say, okay, now I, I can control this because what's now truly my choice in that. Versus, what's the choice that's being projected onto me? Again, there's other choices. Again, as we think about again more of the negative pieces of being robbed, you know, serial killers, things upon us of which, and we're preyed upon our naivety or our trust in ways that we could never have foretold. And so, in those instances, they extend beyond now I can do something about this, right? Of, of choice versus now I'm fighting back in certain ways, which is a lot, which is different in, in our explanation here, both when changing behavior. But as we think about that nuance, it is something to keep in mind that our environment is going to react to our intentions and to it. And if we ever need an example that even crystallizes that Think no different than COVID 19 over our last 18, 19 months, and having been uh, sequestered in our homes, uh, asked to get shots for protection. And that's an example of the environment providing and authoring in a intention to us for, our, for what is described as safety and health reasons that now we need to, one, accept. And integrate into our own changes in our own life, in our own intentions, and that comes down to our own choice as well.
0: Yeah, it's it's really interesting. It's sort of free choice, free will, you know, and uh, you know, free intention. Really, I suppose is trying to make sure that you have clarity, and it 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 needs self resolve, right? It needs sort of mm-hmm. clarity in in self and what you want because as humans, we're probably very easy, distracted, to, you know, sort of misguided. So the more intentional we are, the, the clearer we are, then theoretically, then the the closer we will get to source, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The more intentional we are, we'll, we'll get closer to our source. And again, as we described, the external environment, we are people, places, and things can change around us that are now projected onto us. Now we have to see how that fits into our priority, how it fits into our intentions, how it, and if, and now we have a choice of which now to exercise and how to respond to that, not react, but to respond. And there's a, there's a clear difference when we're reacting. We're just, just going with the flow. We're just like those, oh shit moments. We find ourselves in panic. (laughs) We don't know what to do. We're not prepared. Um, That's different than responding. When we have a plan, when we know that there's construction at the airport that's going to be inconvenient to the airport, now we just need to plan accordingly. And now we're just responding to that. Or if I get into a car accident, I have insurance. So in that respect, I'm now responding to it. I couldn't have foretold the accident, and while I might have foretold the construction at the airport. Now it's just now responding to what I know should happen and will happen and just working the plan. Um, and oftentimes because we're operating at 95% unconsciously, we're often nuts. It's those, Oh shit moments. of what do I do here? And like, we're making stuff up on the fly. When in fact that should be the exception rather than the rule. And unfortunately, if we're operating with intention across the entirety of our lives, not to say we can plan for everything, not to say we should, because that's a hell of a lot of work and it's actually draining. But it does mean that when I can actually align to my purpose in any situation and to what is my true fire in me, using that as my anchor, I'm more apt to be able to respond and say, does this align to who I am? What I want, my choices in this moment and potentially even long term, we're more apt to be able to have uh, success, quote unquote, or be at least in alignment to who we are.
0: Would you say that does intention complement the law of attraction, or does it does it is it a completely separate thing for you?
1: You know, you know, for me, it's um, a little bit separate. Um, as I consider the law of attraction, it's oh wow, that's great, right? That I want that. Um, I could be attracted to a lot of things, but my intentions may not align to that particular purpose or that attraction. As example, and going back to my college house, buying a house, the idea of having a house and I'm now paying for that house and it's mine. That distracted her from her true intention of having her own business. Now, it does not mean that law of attraction, in this case, being a house is anything bad. It does not mean it's not something that she could not want. But is it what she needed? Did it align to her purpose? Did it align to her true fire? At least in this immediate term, that answer was no. Yet she found herself chasing something that she could have gotten at any other time, but was now, because she was working for that house, had to make other decisions based on that want versus what she needed. So I do separate that law of attraction from our intention, because our intention aligns to our purpose. Now, if our purpose is aligned to that attractive thing, right? I want to meet, I'm going for that attractive person. Um, I see this new job and it sounds good and everything. And that's what I'm going for. That's my purpose. Let's go forward and take that action. I want this new car at this price point. Yes. Now let's go get it. Or I want this house. That's my fire, that's what I want. Let's go, let's go get it. That's different when there's a, a, a misalignment between what your purpose and intention is, because that's gonna drive your behavior, behavior want that we have. And sadly, we oftentimes confuse our want with our needs. Um, we need to breathe, we need to eat. <laughs> um, we want that new job. <laughs> we want um, that new car and we want whatever is that shiny new bright thing that's attractive to us. Um, we need to build our capabilities so we can move beyond our next shiny thing. And so that's where I start to see the difference between the law, um, our intentions.
0: Your practice and what you do and, I suppose speaking to people, I mean, have you become a bit of a a bloodhound in terms of seeing people who are authentically intentional, Mm -hmm. who there's a congruency in terms of the language they use, their posture, the way they show up, um, the way they speak, what they speak about and and how they act? Are you able to see that on all the different levels and, and sort of? Bring it together?
1: I do, actually. Um, one of the things that I as through my clients and both individually as well as within organizations, I am looking for that alignment. Um, inherently I know to myself uh, when I immediately meet someone, is that I think to myself, is where are they gonna lie? <laughs> and I don't mean that literally it in, in Figurativist, um, but I don't. But let me describe what I truly mean when I say they're going to lie. They're actually going to tell me what they want me to see or tell me what they want me to hear. It isn't necessarily in that context, they'll throw out certain things because either they find it unimportant to the conversation, um, they want to hide it from me intentionally, or third, they didn't even know it was there. It was a to talk. So in those moments of introduction and time, I'm looking for that level of consistency of their language, behavior, even how they dress, the language that they're using, the examples and situations that they're describing. I'm looking for the commonalities and themes not described in one instance, of which just offers an opportunity for one particular example. I'm looking for the culmination of the picture that we're creating. Uh, this very, idea and It's like a grain of sand. Um, and so as we look at a grain of sand, it's on a baby's finger or under a microscope, it looks huge, right? Just, just looks absolutely huge. You wouldn't know if it's a meteor. You wouldn't know if it's a huge rock. It's, you just would not know. Oftentimes when we th- think about, as you were describing, the totality of the con- conversation realm of which someone is talking, both in their language, stress, situation, we often look at that at one time and look at it as like one grain of sand. Like, you know, it's a, we're already having a judgment on it. So it's uh, that meteor or rock. When oftentimes we need different experiences, continued conversation. Nine. To see if that grain of sand and other grains of sand describe us with clear water, sipping on a Mai Tai, or we find ourselves in the Sahara desert with no water. (laughs) Right? Both offer places of grains of sand but each in drastically different places and drastically different experiences. When I'm working with my clients, when I'm working with, even then thinking about myself, I'm often thinking about what's my level of consistency. What am am I using? Am I showing up the same way? Likewise for my clients, how are they showing up? are they starting off great? And Hey, they have their notepads and they're really engaged. They're inquisitive. And then by meeting four, they're just showing up with notepad. Don't know what to really talk about. And they seem aloof. Well, okay. Now who's through now? Now I'm getting to the real person. (laughs) Now I'm seeing the authentic person. And what's the level of consistency A moment in time that I'm certain about. I can get one person to do one thing, suit and tie, look the part, speak the part. But can I get you to do it consistently? This is where we start to get into who we are authentically. At that moment, in those moments, plural, I then can begin to align who you are by what you say and what you do to your purpose. And now from a psychologist perspective, as a coach perspective, I can then say, okay, I can now help you move forward.
0: For the different parts of self, you know, you've got the mind, the body, the soul, ego separate, if you wish. Mm-hmm. Um, should they have matching intentions? Uh, do they need to? Should they? What's your thoughts? They, they they're, they're...
1: The intention in, in and of itself, yes, they should have matching intentions. Um, how they show up is different. So, As an example, um, the intention of, let's say, for example, getting a new job, the, how that shows up from a mind perspective, it would show up in the context of, let me do research. What am I most passionate? about? What do I now need to think about strategically? What am I good at? Hmm. Then there's the body aspect of that and how it shows up. Body as now, what is my behaviors and actions I'm going to take behind that? What's that level of consistency of doing in that realm? Does it align my doing with that intention? The body, and, and more specifically, sorry, the soul. That emotional size. And what's that feeling that's running through me? When do I get nervous? What am I fearful of? Where do I hold myself back? Where do I get the sweaty palms? And it's like, yeah, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm still not doing it. And now this just creates that level of anxiety. That matches everything around that attention of, Getting a new job. And now it's about how do we manage each one of those layers? Because they're going to show up at different times. They're going to show up and develop in some, in some instances consciously, like, oh, wow, I feel that I'm getting scared about this, right? Like, or wow, I'm just getting nervous. And I need to walk myself off this ledge. Or sometimes it can happen unconsciously defined by our procrastination or just not doing it at all, right? And so we just have to be in uh, giving ourselves the time to reflect on those moments and why one of the biggest things for me each day is to just reflect on each one of those levels of myself on what is my intention, what was my conversation, what did I learn, but also thinking about myself and even my clients, I ask them every week, to think about what did they learn about themselves? Mind, body, soul. Where did it show itself and present itself? What situations? Good or bad? Taking down the context of success or failure, (laughs) but what did we experience? And in those mind, body, and soul to that purpose, and now what we're being conscious of as we look for moments for change, and in consistency of those moments over time, leading us to transformation to make us and allow us to be better.
0: Is there such a thing as good and bad?
1: Um, very, 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 uh, it depends. Um, it depends on who you ask and when you ask them. <laughs> Is it, Good and bad does exist. Is it now where I, where I balk and where you hear me pause is I struggle with good and bad when we're defined by it. Said a little bit differently. um, We have to use our, our, our failures and our successes as a place of reference, not of resident. good or the bad not where am I living not using that good and the bad as a place of how do I build consistency of doing something else more or less or doing some level of change it's not a place of I'm done a place of judgment so there is good and bad but when we are defined by it and that's all we are to bulk and say, you know what? I think we can go beyond that because now it's about choice of doing something different. Now, how do I go about doing those things different is the question. And is it what I want to do?
0: Do you believe uh, an intention could work like an affirmation? You know, it's, it's, if it's defined, if it's uh, future stated, um, it's done with the positive energy. Uh, do, do you think they're they're aligned or bad buddies in terms of their their application?
1: No, yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, intention is is can be extremely an, uh, 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 in a form of affirmation. Actually, going back back to my book for a moment, um, one of the things that I have the, the readers do is actually write a note to themselves a month out, um, and in that note, prior to them actually doing any level of behavioral work up to that point they're just are discovering their, what their true purpose is and creating a plan aligned to who they are in that purpose. At that moment, I'm asking, I asked them to write a note to themselves a month away, describing, uh, where they are living, what they are doing and what they are experiencing in that moment. If they had done everything that's on their plan, how are they, feeling. When they, when people write a note, they're offering an opportunity of envision, uh, providing a vision of who they are. They're already creating a vision of what they want and what their intention is. I also ask them to acknowledge some of the challenge that they may, challenges they may face. Um, acknowledging what they might need more consistency on while also acknowledging where they think they'll be, giving themselves um, a form of affirmation, personal coaching, any level of action. After a month, I have them open that. I have them write the note, seal it, and store it away, and pick a day in the future in which they're going to open that note up. And on that day, I remind them to make sure that they go find their note and read it. And that's their point of reflection on that day. That point of reflection of that encouragement for themselves, the acknowledgement that as though it might seem like it's linear and that we only have one, our intentions ebb and flow based on the realities of our lives and our own purposes and our own choices as they change. Uh, what is once 100% my intention today may tomorrow be only 20% because something drastically changed in my life that now has me refocusing to something else. Because of that, in writing our intentions you know, a, a, a month out and acknowledging that we, to take stock in the effort that we have done and also authors in an opportunity to make any changes to get us back and realign to our purpose in case anything else has changed. it gives us a chance to recognize that our changes are built in a way so that we can experience life in a fluid fashion. and not affected that we can't pivot and move forward. No different than no different than Dorothy going back to Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. We all have a plan, but our path is our path. And we need to make sure we're taking stock of that path, moving forward. And that making those adjustments and writing that letter to ourselves knowing that what we've achieved offers an affirmation of the effort we have of reference of now doing something more, or doing something less,
0: in order for us to get us closer to Kansas. Are you are you clear on your calling and purpose in your life? Has that come to you yet? Yes, yes, it has actually. Um, you know, I'm very.
1: I've been clear on that on that purpose. And again, for me, my purpose is one being a voice and showing people a path, showing people away. way. Um, it's taken me a long time to get comfortable with that path as my plan was to be a psychologist and just being in the background and so forth and so on. That was my plan. And that plan has worked out, but my path has really shifted from working in a clinical ward and working with individuals who've had clinical balances and are just trying to become normal. Oh, day that then transformed into a path of working with higher functioning individuals and now having a conversation of expansion. And so, I recognize for me, my path and my calling is helping people navigate their own paths. Navigating in, in, in one through clarifying their intentions through discovery, knowing that we may not know what that is, all the tying that to who we are as individuals and making sure that we build in our authenticity. All too often, I describe You know, our paths also aside from Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz is this isn't paint by numbers. We have a choice in doing what we do. And for me, I'm not I'm not a paint by numbers person. I I like to color things in how I want to, when I want to, and what colors I want to. Um, but that's choice with that choice. And I'd say over the last 15 years. I really got more comfortable with acknowledging authoring in a voice of purpose and path. And it's also one reason I wrote this book. Um, and ironically, the first version of this book I wrote, um, I threw away. And only one, only two people have actually heard uh heard the book, because it was an audio books. That was a good way because I realized that I was not being authentic to myself. I was not opening up myself enough to show people a path, a way to navigate life in a world based off of capabilities of which I had learned myself, while also of um, what I learned by working with others. I wasn't allowing myself to be that navigation. And so I rewrote the entirety of the book. And if I really wanted to be that tour guide on a path, then quite frankly, I needed to make sure that I was a tour guide for my own path as well. And so uh, because I rewrote the book, I think that experience enabled me to become the author the book needed me to be, while also enabling me to really harness the path in direction that I've been uh, been pushed in, and quite frankly, that I truly really enjoy.
0: Would you do you see yourself as religious or spiritual or connected or none of the above? Where where would you sort of class yourself?
1: Um, I, I find myself that I'm spiritual, more so than anything else. I do believe in religion. Uh, I don't necessarily believe that there's one religion. Um, I am spiritual, as in I, you know, I, I go see. It. I've gone to see. Um, ironically, my significant other is as well. Um, I do believe that there's something that is bigger than ourselves, and we. But in that respect, I don't know what that bigger means and looks like. What I would say is, because I am spiritual, I recognize that there are certain things in my surroundings, or in certain instances, or certain circumstances of which I find myself in a direction and path. And if I'm conscious enough, if I'm paying attention to the, if I'm aware of the vulnerability that it might offer and willing to go down that path. I have found that I've been able to grow in ways in a journey of which I could have never experienced or thought might. And because I believe in that, that there is a spiritual nature to all of us and around us, I think being conscious and aware of some of the complexities and some of the things that happen around us can really help one create a new world, almost childlike in in appreciation of what we can create versus what we are prescribed to do, and that our experiences create paths, and we're paying attention to the spirits in the in our religious um drives can create can create moments I'd say of ecstasy and direction where we find love, where we find that appreciation. Um, we get that intellectual awe, right? Those epiphanies, those connections, that those moments. In those moments, that's when I think we really capture that our spirit, our purpose. or pushed right where you need to be. So yes, long-winded answer of answering your question. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Um, Not necessarily spiritual. I do believe that there's something bigger than us, uh, religious, but I I am a very spiritual person and recognize that uh, just by paying attention, I can create and see many things and learn so much about myself and the world around me.
0: And where are you? I mean, you talk about being conscious. I mean, where would you be most conscious? Where do you go or, or what do you do to, to be the most conscious form or flow self that you can be?
1: Yeah. Uh, great question. For, for me, um, there, there are two places. Um, and I laugh because one of them is with a, with a cask and candle. So casks, carry a uh, wine or beer, or, you know, some, some talk of live, 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 live um, because that's my, uh, you know, that's my best form of just relaxing and just being away, just getting lost in my thoughts when I'm not around anyone else. Hmm. And so in that moment, I, I'm, I'm sipping on wine or otherwise, and, you know, it, it creates, it, it takes down certain levels of defenses where I'm not lost in my thoughts or trying to control so many things where I'm controlling and, and replacing one set of noise to the now a noise of the thoughts coming through my mind and being vulnerable to that. I'm fortunate enough to have a, a place in my home where I can just sit and relax and just have that candle, have that glass of wine or, you know, some whiskey or scotch and just sit and sip and just get lost in my thoughts. Um, the second place I find the most relaxing for me to get where I'm by myself, but not necessarily by myself. And that is going to the gym for me offers me an opportunity to one, get lost in my thoughts. (laughs) Um, I'm around other people, but yet not talking. I'm investing in my own health, but I'm actually building uh, awareness, both of exercising for my health while also exercising my mind. Cause I'm thinking, um, I don't have the distraction of a libation <laughs> or in bad cat in certain instances, um, or that candle, but I'm now allowing just the thoughts just to come to me and it creates a certain level of expansion. Now, with that said, I also recognize that sometimes because we're running on autopilot, as I started our conversation off with oftentimes, you know, we're because we're running on autopilot. That also means we've got our own biases. which we're now curating our own messages and our own thought leadership to keep us where we are. So I'm very conscious about when I'm in those moments of expansion, when I'm in those moments at the gym where it's it's just me and I'm listening to music and I'm lost in my thoughts, it's an opportunity to say, where am I keeping myself in the same box I've always been? Or what story or narrative do I keep telling myself? And in order for that narrative to be true and that story to be true, what do I have to assume? And then the assumptions, let's challenge my assumptions. And that's not an everyday thing While well, I going to do that? because quite frankly, that's exhausting. It's not every day. I'm sitting with my cast and candle every day, um, maybe every other day with the <laughs> the cast. But it's not I'm getting into that deep thought because that's exhausting. and Heck, I might become uh, addicted to the to my drinks. It affords me a chance to balance and just being able to let go. In those two instances, be are able to do that in a a lot different way, so that I'm by myself. My my approach. I know some people need to be in a group of twenty. <laughs> so I run, you know, I run group coaching. And some people just need that environment where they just need to talk it out. Like, hey, let's just ask this out. I need people who can commiserate with me or they say, say, hey, that people I randomly know are, are just getting familiar with over six weeks. They may, they may need you know, somebody they can uh, talk to. Um, and that's fine as well. Um, I have my support system with my significant other and friends where we talk about things one-on-one. Heck, even reading my book and breaking a bit deeper but where I capture my most true authentic self and that true reflective point for me, it really is that cast and candle, or while I'm at the gym and just getting lost in my thoughts and investment in myself.
0: Yeah. It's great to know that it's great to, to feel that, that place of power and then to, to embellish it, you know, because I'm not sure yeah. that people do take the time to sort of, discover where they feel most connected or for some it's nature for some it's, you know, whatever it may be, then that's fine. Okay. Yes. That's okay too. Cause, uh, some do tend to chase false prophets too, or false gods, you know, whether it be through stimulants or other situations where you're like, you know, I don't know if it's pure, pure thoughts and pure intention, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're right. And and oftentimes it isn't. It's just a um, it is a false God. It is a false thought. And so it's now deciphering that thought and those experiences. Um, and where can you actually get lost? Now again, I'd say cask and candle and quite frankly, one could have legitimate arguments saying when I'm drinking my wine or drinking my um my Scotch or whiskey, you know how much do you drink? Right. It's, it's a function of clearly, um, doing that in alignment with proportion, but also when I'm, when I'm in those moments, I am truly loving, I'm controlling, controlling, uh, you know, my thoughts and in that moment, just allowing things to come and being conscious of those moments of those thoughts that, that state of like medit- meditation is really what it comes down to. And that's different than, Hey, I'm going to the pub and I'm going to drink four. four- <laughs> um, now, granted, that's one way you could do it. I wouldn't suggest that from an intentional well, that is intentional. Excuse me. I would not suggest that as let's take that move it forward. And I would not suggest it that as something you consistently do. I would say it's from a transformation standpoint in really being authentic and getting deep with ourselves. We have to have conscious. And when we get addicted, you know, when we give to those moments of those those false gods, it's it's because we're afraid of our body, and they're afraid for those quiet moments. Um. When they need those other libations and those those other stimulants, or depressants, it's because it's fearful of what they're thinking about. It's uh, what's coming to them, and quite frankly, it's putting yourself in a very vulnerable place because it makes us. Um...
0: So yeah, so for you then, I suppose, you know, how would you define and sort of connect? Intention, fire in the belly, authenticity altogether. I mean, do you do you do you purposely uh, do you live by a set of a uh, set of rules, a code of conduct, if you like, in how you live your life?
1: Yeah, I I don't necessarily live by a set of rules per se. Uh, um, what I would say is that I do consistently uh, think through how am I living towards um, um, my purpose. Right. Um, and what am I doing that is going to get me cl- closer to that purpose and or what potentially is going to get me further away. Um, I see our fire in our belly being our motivation. Just to say, yes, what's that thing that, authors in our motivation. That's our fire in our belly. That's our discovery. Those are those moments of sitting back and saying, this is my purpose. This is who I am and this is what I want to achieve. That then leads to our intentions. Our intentions to think about what our purposes that I'm taking, the choices that I'm making, the evolution I'm I'm experiencing, the capabilities, more specifically the behaviors that I'm exercising and putting into various situations of which I have control over, as well as others of which I don't. So in that context, our fire in our belly, our purpose, our intention. If we don't know what that purpose is, if we don't know what that fire is, if we don't know what the logs that represent that spark in us, we need to figure that out. That's our first intention. If we know what that intention is, if we know what that fire is, we now can take a step towards our intention of how do I, as an individual, authentically, individually, not what Pete would do, but would, what would Ian do? Not the life that I see living on has achieved, but truly, who am I? What are my values? What am I willing to do? That level of authenticity now and then leads me to be intentional around my expectations of and an then result. It leads me to be intentional around the behaviors of which I'm exercising and the choices I'm taking every single day. It leads me into being intentional Life, not trying to control it because my intention is that I trust that I can move forward, but I'm moving forward with knowledge of my purpose and knowledge of myself. And when we're living to that level of intention, again, no different than Dorothy trying to get back to Kansas. We have our plan, but our intentions can be navigated. And trusting ourselves to be authentic and know our purpose so that we can act and think and feel. And manage with intention.
0: I think we're going to have to get you a pair of red sparkly shoes in.
1: I think, I think, I think so. I actually, I, ha- I do have a red jacket that I should, <laughs> should, should, should wear. because, You know, it's a, uh, yeah. Love, I, again, that I was, you know, the movie itself obviously has so many complexities, but as I think it has resonated. With people is just that narrative, and we don't often think about what was her intention. <laughs> mm. Oh, we don't think about intention with you know butterflies. We think about it as some prescribed. If I don't do this every day, then I'm not living in a certain way. And, it's, and that answer is no. <laughs> um, it, it's 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 I can do something different, but I also can get myself back on track. Mm. I can live with Opus may evolve from today to tomorrow, but the road is winding and that purpose may change, but the capabilities of who I am, what I want, my values will be the anchors of which help me navigate this path. In our case, that path is called life.
0: Yeah. Hmm. very, um, I love that. Do you do you think the do you think the caterpillar knows it's going to become a butterfly?
1: At the beginning, no. I don't believe so. And because that's true intention at that point. There it's about survival. As I mentioned earlier, there's instances. Where, if we don't know what we are doing, we first have to grab on, grab on to what we might do. And so, for that caterpillar's scenario, it's surviving, just navigating the world. And then it realizes it can become a, cat, a butterfly and that it's time for its evolution. It doesn't necessarily start off that way. Like, hey, like I'm a baby caterpillar and now I'm going to hop in and being a baby butterfly. No, they're the process of growth, experience. Experiment. And then with that knowledge, affords its chance to really transform. And what's unique about that as well is, and oftentimes what I, Tell my clients, and what I find difficult to to acknowledge when I'm experiencing it, and that is, oftentimes, you don't know you've transformed until you're in the middle of it. <laughs> it's those moments, when you're like, "Huh, a job," or I guess I am doing X, or I guess I'm, and did lose that weight, or I guess I'm looking up and it's not like you just tripped in and found yourself with married and three kids, but you just kind of look up one day and it's just, I'm here. And that's a rewarding component. And what's also important about that. When we are truly authentic to ourselves, We're not reliant on moral rules and order. Um, They know who they are. They know what they want. Their difference is they're open to the experience. It's because of that strong sense of who they are what they value and thus they made it, they and I find myself in the same boat. I find it unnecessary to rigidly micromanage my own actions. I can be mature, expressive and effortlessly creative all while driving towards my purpose. Knowing that my I have a clear plan, but now I'm navigating towards a path and journey that, quite frankly, one can never truly, the writing would never do it justice, <laughs> to describe it. it, would never do it justice. And so that's kind of my perspective on that.
0: Mm. Beautiful. It's that. It's almost a formula here, isn't it? Really, there's intention plus consciousness, and consciousness should bring authenticity. You one would think. Plus, plus purpose, you know, equals the form of who we could be. Maybe I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think it's a. It's it's a. It's a very. Um, to that statement, it's the in, intention is the, the milestone if you will My intention is that moment um intention is the equivalent of our authenticity plus action plus reflection that leads us to our intentions and notice there's no definition of success or failure um, it's a reframing towards one of purpose and acknowledgement and choice. And when we can better moments for change, we will find that we will look up and we have transformed because we've lived with that same purpose, value, and awareness. And that has been our culmination of being intentional. So, yeah, that's kind of the way I kind of define it and say,
0: hey, let's let this experience go and and see what happens. (laughs) Who's who's one of the most intentional people you know? Self. Um, (laughs) um, I
1: think as, I think when I think about Athletes in general, they have to be very, extremely intentional. You think about some of the most prominent athletes in, in the world between Messi and Ronaldo, or if you think about basketball, LeBron James, or think about uh, the sport of track and field, you know, Usain Bolt and others, those individuals have to be intentional both in how they're preparing their bodies, the food that they're eating,
0: <laughs>
1: the, the regimen that they go through from a training perspective, both in cardiovascular, but also the training to be good and can continuously and consistently be good, if not these individuals, great. You think about these individuals from a mind perspective of acknowledging the mental preparation it goes for the pressure. You think about these individuals as well as the control of their environments, right? Around um, constantly being pulled on because everyone wants a piece of them, be it from a name recognition standpoint of, oh, I know this person or that person. to their achievements, both on and off the pitch. You think about these individuals around where they show up uh, for the media availability and et cetera. These individuals, and I think sport authors in that opportunity to be extremely intentional. These individuals, you know, in, in a very similar attribute standpoint, can uh, it can be attributed to authors or politicians? Have to be intentional about, if i an author, what storyline am I creating, fiction or nonfiction? How am I creating a thread of visibility of myself or to a particular topic? Politicians, of where they're showing up for their constituents, shaking hands, kissing babies, being authentic to the message that they want from an intention standpoint. And what is that consistency of thread for politicians on how they vote and the policies in which they put together, for authors to the messages and the writing style and what they're actually consistently talking about? No different than athletes. For authors, it's how are you consistently learning and creating and expanding your own, just how are you stay staying to the forefront and having the ear of your constituents outside of times of voting, just on a regular basis. These are the things that as you think about our behaviors, and, and I'm breaking this down just from a job title standpoint, or, or a type of role, there's consistency around the behaviors in which that is. It's how are you preparing yourself mentally? How are you preparing yourself physically? How are you pre- preparing yourself emotionally to deal with anyone? These situations are very uh, a lonely experiences. <laughs> an extremely lonely experience. Um, my, my, my editor once said, all writers are either alcoholics or they, they're chain smokers uh because you're by yourself. <laughs> um I typically went to wine, right? You're like, hey, just need to be able to write. If you're a politician, you're constantly on the road, shaking hands, kissing babies. You gotta look apart. The it, it, it's these experience of how do we deal with the mental, physical, and emotional side. And so politicians, authors and as I described, even athletes deal with it's just easier to see within an athletic standpoint than it is necessarily being attributing those same attributes and capabilities that we all have, irrespective of job. Um, And it's something that we can think about as we're operating and working intentionally.
0: Yeah, so powerful. Tell me, if, if you were to try and describe your fire in the belly then in one or two words, Ian, what would they be?
1: Um, I'll give it two words. One is intention. Um, the other is domination. Hmm. And I'll I'll explain obviously uh, both here momentarily. But uh, intention is truly I've lived my life with a purpose of having a plan, but letting the experience bring about itself. The second word being domination, for me, how do I consistently increase and improve upon my own bar? That domination is not in comparison to anyone else. And that domination is not um, in compared to what others have achieved or what others have prescribed to me. That domination is very similar to a racehorse where they have the blinders on. They're just running as fast and as hard as they possibly can regardless of what happens. I approach life in a way that's there and dominate. Some days that domination on a scale of one 10, I only got domination, domination energy for at about a two because I'm tired. (laughs) And my domination level of doing absolutely nothing is at a 10 because that's my domination, because that's what I need. That's what I need to rejuvenate. Other ways of domination are, can I look myself in the mirror and say, did I do everything that I could to recharge myself today? Did I Put to expand myself for myself and for my clients as best as possible. If I can say yes to that, then that's domination for me. Again, that has nothing to do with anybody else's bar. it's It's my own. And when I do that, one live with intention and purpose that aligns directly to my own purposeful and individual, my expansion, then that is truly my fire in my belly and truly
0: my purpose. Tell us, where can people buy your book, learn more? Follow you, track you, hunt you down—any of the above. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's uh,
1: let's uh, let's avoid the hunting down part. But they can find me in a number of different ways. Um, the, the first place, um, obviously, would be on social media. So I can be found on Twitter as well. B underscore intention. Um, there, you'll see a number of different updates um, that I post out on a fairly uh, regular basis. Um, I can also be found on my business website, and that is RhodesSmith.com. That's R-H-O-D-E-S, S-M-I-T-H.com. There, they can find access to this particular podcast, as well as others, where I've authored in different thought leadership, as well as different places where I've actually penned different articles. Also on that site, they can also find access to my book, Intention, Building Capability to Transform Your Story, you can see reviews of the book itself prior to actually purchasing a copy, as well as you can purchase a copy through Barnes & Noble, as well as on Amazon. Um, there you'll find a hardback copy as well as an ebook. Also on my uh, RoadSmith site, you can find access to my different coaching programs that I have. So I run three different programs. The first being for organizations where I work with, with work one-on-one or do um, group coaching sessions with organizations on how they build their leadership skills. Again, it's about their capabilities, not about their, not about their particular role. The other part behind that is also work with individuals, both one-on-one coaching, as well as within a group context. So, One-on-one coaching, I do run a three-month coaching program. and For my group coaching, I do run a six-week program, both of which are afforded opportunities to expand people from where they are today and where they hope to be. Again, Road Smith is a great access point to where you can find a number of places or number of different information about me, as well as reach out to me and email me through those particular links or
0: through my various social media platforms. Love it, and I would encourage people obviously to to reach out and get your book. I mean, we we really just the touch of the iceberg here of what's what's within, you know. So, thank you, thank you for sharing. Is there a final message you'd like to leave with our listeners?
1: Yeah, no, 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 Pete, this has been a a wonderful conversation. And there's two messages that I'd I'd leave the listeners with. Um, The first is that as we've been talking about intention, realize that you're good enough as you are, right? Um, I've yet to meet anybody who did not have at least some capability or baseline of which they're starting from, um, that if they didn't do anything different uh, on a very few instances where they didn't need to move, before. The second thing that I would say is that as you go through your transformation, as you're looking to do something different, realize that we have to off author in a, a foundation. And there's a quote that I like to use from Niccolo Machiavelli. And it was uh, quoted in his book, The Prince. And I believe he wrote it in 1532. And a quote, and hopefully I get it right, um, goes, uh, he who does not build his foundations beforehand made by great abilities to do so afterwards, but with great trouble to the architect and danger to the building. When you can actually build your family, what is it that you're really trying to solve? What is it that you're really passionate about? What is it that is truly your fire in your belly? Then secondly, recognizing who you are and how you're gonna align your authentic self of your characters, your current environment, and acknowledging your personal choice, that will establish your foundation to do just about anything. And while with great ability, we may be able to do this stuff afterwards, because quite frankly, we can quite a bit. We could go back and do it, but it'll be more trouble to you. And then secondly, the more t- times we do that, it's gonna be dangerous to the building of who we are. Because by the time we really take stock and trying to change that foundation, over time, no different than the game of Jenga, we start taking those blocks of wood out. <laughs> that tower is going to come down. And so, give yourself a fighting chance. Establish a solid foundation of discovering what your true fire and passion is up front,
0: and go forward and be prosperous because you have it in you already. Yeah. Thank you. Very powerful. I thank you for your time and. We look forward to hearing more from you in the future. Thank no, it sounds
1: everyone. great, Pete. Yeah, no, it's definitely a pleasure being here, so thank you.
0: Thank you. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. you know, this really wouldn't be possible without our great guest taking the time to share their personal journeys. And by the way, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that the people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon, and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, Please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly and be the mightiest version of you.